Welcome once again to Locked On Blackhawks for Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. Jay Zawoski with you here as I am every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. After all, the slogan is your team's every day. I will be here every day with you talking Blackhawks. And we finally have the opening night roster. Very, very exciting. Before we get to that, I want to tell you guys how to get in touch how to keep in touch with the podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send me an email, lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail, 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. Want to start those mailbag episodes this coming Monday, so make sure you get those emails, those voicemails in so I can use them for Monday's show. Also, today on the podcast, we'll talk about Pat Foley's apology after some poorly chosen words during Sunday's broadcast. We'll also preview the Nashville Predators with Paul Skrbina of the Tennessean. Let's get to the big news of the day. And when I sat down to begin this podcast, I thought I was going to be talking about Carl Dahlstrom getting claimed by the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I'm going to, but suddenly it's not the biggest story of the day. At approximately 4 o'clock on Tuesday, the Blackhawks announced their opening night roster. So I'm going to read you the forwards, the defensemen, the goaltenders, and then let you know all the other info you need to know. At forward, Drake Kajula, Ryan Carpenter, Alex DeBrinkett, David Kampf, Patrick Kane, Dominic Kubalik, Alex Nylander, Brendan Perlini, Brandon Saad, Andrew Shaw, Zach Smith, Dylan Strom, and Jonathan Taves. The defensemen. Calvin DeHaan, Eric Gustafson, Duncan Keith, Slater Cuckoo, Oli Mata, and Brent Seabrook. That's only six for the record. And in goal, Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard. Further, Connor Murphy with a groin injury and John Quenville with a right hip injury will begin the season on injured reserve. And Kirby Dock with a concussion will begin the season with an injured non-roster designation. In addition, Carl Dahlstrom, as we mentioned, has been claimed off waivers by the Winnipeg Jets. So when the Blackhawks drop the puck on Friday at 1 p.m., by the way, keep that in mind, 1 p.m. Friday is that puck drop. There's your roster. Nothing overly crazy surprising. Uh, Cowan Delia, by the way, also sent to Rockford. He was on the roster uh, earlier today. He was sent to Rockford as well. Forgot to mention that. So 13 forwards, six defensemen, and two goaltenders. That's a 21-man roster. It's a little bit short, but they've got what they have on the trip to Prague. I'm sure they will add a couple more players as they go. I wonder what Kirby Doc's status will be as the Hawks get ready to play the Sharks next Thursday. That will be their next game. They start the season Friday in Prague, then don't play again until the home opener that following Thursday at the United Center. That's the lineup, and again, no major surprises. Uh, Slater Cuckoo in the opening day lineup probably isn't ideal. It's probably not what everyone envisioned, but it's good news uh, that Calvin DeHaan is there. He looks like he's going to be part of things. Look, they only have six defensemen. He's one of them, so sort of unexpected. Calvin DeHaan will be part of the opening night roster for the Blackhawks on Friday. That is good news. So I think we're going to see the pairings that we've seen in the preseason. It's going to be Keith and Gustafson as your top pair. Your second pair will be Oli Mata and Brent Seabrook, who actually have looked pretty good despite being probably one of the slowest pairs in the National Hockey League. They looked pretty good together in the preseason. And then realistically, now your bottom pair, or however you want to, I don't know how you want to shake them out. Maybe this is your second pairing, Calvin DeHaan and Slater Cuckoo. So each line 
has a bit of a defense-offense dimension to it, which I think is interesting. I don't know if it's, again, this is not going to be the roster probably next Thursday. That's how I see it shaking out, and I wonder if that's intentional by Kaladin. I wonder if he wants a guy who can defend and a guy who can score on each line. It's funny, that pairing of Mata and Seabrook, which is which, right? I don't know. I guess you'd probably count Mata is the more defensive-minded one and Seabrook is the more offensive-minded one, especially now later in Seabrook's career. Well, here it is. The season is upon us. The season begins for the Blackhawks on Friday. The rest of the league starts tonight, Wednesday, and uh, man, cannot wait to get it started. We should talk about Carl Dahlstrom getting claimed by Winnipeg. Not ideal to have one of your more trusted depth defenseman picked up. I talked on Tuesday about how I thought waving Carl Dahlstrom would be the safer play. I thought he had a better chance of getting through waivers than Slater Cuckoo did, and I guess I was wrong. Maybe Cuckoo would have gotten claimed too, but that seemed to be kind of a universal opinion, uh, especially with so many high-profile names getting waived on Tuesday. And the crazy thing is, the big names we talked about, Sven Bershi and Josh Hosang, were not claimed. Nobody picked them up, but Carl Dahlstrom of all people gets claimed. Now, in our preview Tuesday, the Winnipeg Jets preview we did, we mentioned how slim their defense is with Jacob Truba gone and Dustin Buffalo not knowing what he's playing and yada, yada, yada. It made sense for them to add a defenseman, especially someone like Dahlstrom who can defend. Now that I'm looking back on it, I wonder, would you rather have Carl Dahlstrom or would you rather have Slater Cuckoo as part of the Hawks. I don't really have much of a feel for Cuckoo. I don't, you know, he played well last year, kind of. There were moments where he really looked good. He's got the first-round pedigree, which we've mentioned before, on Lockdown Blackhawks. I just don't really have a firm grasp of his game yet. And it's not a knock. It's just kind of reality. And I want to be honest with you guys. I'm never going to lie and make up my feelings. I just truly don't have much of a well-developed opinion on Slater Cuckoo yet. It looks like we're going to get it here to start the season. I think the emergence of Dennis Gilbert maybe made Dahlstrom more expendable too. They found a guy who can play that stay-at-home game, that can play physically, that is defense first, second, and third. That's what they have in Dennis Gilbert. So maybe, just maybe, uh, by the way, Gilbert was sent down on Monday afternoon, so he's not going to start the season with the Hawks, obviously, but they've got a guy in the system as at number seven, number eight, however they want to identify it, that can play a physical stay-at-home brand. But again, this only six defenseman thing is a little strange to me. It just tells me that Connor Murphy has to be close, and uh, that's why that opening night lineup only has six defensemen on, you know, on the roster. So there it is. There's the roster, and uh, we have now all we need to do is drop the damn puck on the 2019-2020 Blackhawks season. Let's go. I mentioned the Blackhawks and Pat Foley issuing an apology for some insensitive comments made during Sunday's broadcast in Berlin. And I know uh, as diehard as Blackhawks fans are that listen to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day, you probably missed that game. The exhibition game in Berlin on an NFL Sunday where the Chicago Cubs and Chicago White Sox are both playing their final games of the season, I know that Hawks game was probably off the radar. So this comment was made during the game, and it, on its surface, it, it seems innocent, and it probably was. All right, I want to just make sure that I, I'm communicating my feelings on this clearly. I don't think Pat Foley 
meant anything uh, derogatory when he said this. I think it just sort of flew out of his mouth and he didn't really think of it at the time and probably didn't think of it after. And then when someone called it to his attention, sort of realized what was happening. Berlin has a player named Austin Ortega. And he had the puck in the third period. And what Pat Foley said was, Ortega, who sounds like he ought to be a shortstop, dot, dot, dot. Now, is that an outwardly, blatantly racist statement? Of course not. But when you have a league that is trying to be inclusive, and to the NHL's credit, they've been out in front of this stuff. You can play the uh, LGBTQ initiative the NHL launched a couple years ago was ahead of its time. No other sports leagues really had anything before You Can Play came out as an official partner of the NHL. This sport, hockey, needs growth. And by sending a message, whether it be innocent or not, that someone named Ortega is a better fit for baseball than hockey is not great. Again, in this day and age, with all the horrible things that are said, about people of different races and different creeds, different ethnicities, different preferences, whatever. This is pretty minor on the scale, but it does send a negative message, and I'm glad the Blackhawks addressed it. I'm glad Pat Foley addressed it. I hope he says something on the next broadcast, uh, and then it will go away, and it's fine. But I think the acknowledgement is appropriate. Here's the statement the Blackhawks released. Quote, We are aware of the insensitive remarks made by -by play-by-play announcer Pat Foley on Sunday's broadcast. Pat has personally spoken to the Ice Baron organization to express his deep regret. He and the organization sincerely apologize to Austin Ortega and Ice Baron and will not be commenting any further on the matter. So that tells me they might not say something on the broadcast, which fine. At least something was said. At least it was acknowledged. At least something was done. That was the appropriate thing to do. And I'm never going to get overly political on this podcast. I don't think it's what people want. Sometimes on my Madhouse podcast, I'll do that. It's a little longer form. It's me and my partner. If something really rubs us the wrong way, we're going to call it out. It's not going to happen too much on this podcast, but it's something that had gotten some attention. Some writers around the league, some writers locally in Chicago had picked up on it, and I thought it needed to be addressed. So I'm glad the Blackhawks took a step. I'm glad they said something. I'm glad they did the right thing here and addressed it. It needed to be done, no matter how big or small the offense is. And I know some of you people listening to this might not agree with me. They might say, you know, everyone's so sensitive these days, blah, 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 blah. And I get that there can be frustration there. But try to put yourself in the shoes of a Latino child watching a hockey game. And when Pat Foley says a last name that sounds like yours and says, probably better off playing baseball it doesn't send a great message and it doesn't feel great again it's not the end of the world it's not the biggest slur in the whole world obviously but words matter and when you're trying to grow your game especially a game like hockey inclusiveness is king or queen (laughs) whatever you want to say uh exclusiveness matters inclusiveness matters And uh, the Blackhawks, I think, did the right thing in addressing it. And by doing so, it's gone. It doesn't have to hang over the broadcast. People don't have to wait for it to be mentioned. Or people won't be commenting. Why didn't the Blackhawks say something about this? I think the statement they issued was, was great. I think the fact that Pat Foley himself 
realized he had made a mistake. Again, I don't think it's intentional. Pat Foley, obviously, in the heat of the moment, calling a game, is not thinking about the social consequences of some of the things he says. It popped in his head. He said it. And then when someone pointed it out to him, he probably said, oh, boy. Yeah, maybe that wasn't great. And I think that's a great way to put it. It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. He shouldn't be fired. It just wasn't great. So glad that Pat Foley and the Blackhawks got in front of it, addressed it. I would like for them to say something on the next broadcast in case people missed the news today. But I, I guess it's safe to say this suffices. This is enough. And I'm glad, again, that they uh, got ahead of it and said something. If you have thoughts on this, hit me up. LO underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. Locked on Blackhawks at gmail.com is the way you can send me an email. I will never steer away from a conversation as long as it's civil, as long as there's no name calling or whatever. I'm, I'm happy to disagree. I'm happy to have listeners disagree. If you want to leave me a voicemail to 708 653 Want to get your take on all things Blackhawks? And this Pat Foley thing is something Blackhawks, and it deserves attention. And I feel good that we got we gave it the attention it has, and now I think everyone's probably ready to move on. And hopefully, Pat Foley has learned a lesson here and will be a little more careful in selecting his words. But again, no one should be fired. The apology was appropriate, and I'm happy that it was addressed. This is Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Now it's time to take a look at another Blackhawks divisional opponent. This time it is the Nashville Predators. A big, big offseason for the Predators. They trade P.K. Subban to the New Jersey Devils. They sign free agent Matt Duchesne. They've got an aging defensive core. They've got an aging goaltender in Pecorine. And they've got some young players who look promising but are not proven. Just like the Blackhawks, it's going to be a very fascinating season for the Nashville Predators. And Paul Skirbina from the Tennessee and joins me to preview the season now. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Skirbina. That's S-K-R-B-I-N-A. Paul, thanks a lot for taking a few minutes out of your day and joining me here. Thanks a lot for spelling my last name right. <laughs> we uh, Eastern Europeans, <laughs> we have to stick together. You know, we know how it is. Yeah. Um, so, big story for the Predators this summer. There's actually two. Uh, Matt Duchesne is the big free agent signing, and of course, uh, everybody's favorite, P.K. Subban, uh, traded to the New Jersey Devils. Um, let's start with Duchesne, a guy who sort of throughout his career has moved around, tried to reinvent himself as a number one center. Now he's going to a true contender. Do you think Matt Duchesne has what it takes to lead the National Predators to a Stanley Cup? Is he number one center enough to get this team over the hump. I don't know if he can lead them to a Stanley Cup. That division is really, really, really tough. Um, but he's certainly going to add some, they think, now they tried this with Kyle Turris before and it didn't work or hasn't worked. Um, they're trying it again with Matthew Shane where they're trying to add some scoring depth. Um, and, you know, look, it's so hard to predict. I think on, pay, on paper they're certainly going to be better offensively, right? I mean, they can't. They can't get anywhere. So I think much like the Blackhawks used to, and there's no comparison, but much like the Blackhawks, you know, have done for years with Taves and Kane, taking your, your two best scorers and, or two of your better playmakers and splitting them up um, can be a recipe for success. And I think that's kind of the idea here with, with what they're doing with having it. You know, I think while, I'm, you know, on paper, Duchesne will be the second line center. He's really a 1A, right? And, and so having a 1A center on that second line is, should bode well for them. Um, 
you know, and it should help them in, in another way uh, that's very important too on their power play, which finished last in the league last year, as I'm sure everybody knows, everybody down here for sure knows. Um, so, you know, he's he's going to be a net front presence on the power play, which they haven't had. He's going to, you know, kind of add that dimension. But to the flip side of your point, you know, they also lost P.K. Subban, which is, that's what kind of, you know, that was a salary cap clearing move to sign Duchesne. So it's kind of like a, 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 you know, a one-for-one trade, if you will, in in, in terms of bodies. But, um, you know, I, look, I don't think Matt Duchesne is the savior. Uh, I don't think he's a top 10 or 20 player in the NHL, but he's certainly what the Predators need. And, uh, you know, I think they address, address that in the offseason really without, you know, really losing too much. Well, I want to get to P.K. Subban, too, because it seemed like such a great fit. And Nashville's always been a team that's that's been led by defense. And, yes, you mentioned last year the offense was, was really down, and there's absolutely no doubt about that. But when you look at the defensive core, you've got, you know, uh, Ryan Ellis, who's aging, Roman Yossi, who's aging, uh, Dan Hughes who's aging. Uh, you know, Dante Fabro is going to be in that P.K. Subban role, but to what extent? What's the leash on him? I, it feels like, uh, you know, of a, a move for the sake of a move, and and there is a lot of offensive talent on the Predators. I just sort of wonder, is there something behind the scenes with Subban that we don't know about, or was it tr- strictly a hockey move? Because it seemed I, like I, I, I wish I, I wish NHL had more PK Subban. I've never ever got the indication from anybody that he was disruptive in the in the locker room. Now, of course, you know he he has his own brand and he does his own thing and. You know, he's always going, um, you know, and, and it's it's easy to have that perception. I don't think he's a locker room cancer. That, you know, there's a lot, I see a lot of that out there. I read a lot of that. I, I don't believe that to be the case. I do believe that he's an act that has a shelf life. And, and you know, he he's only going to last for so long in one place and then he moves on. I think that's the kind of career he's going to have. Um and, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, look, the, the Predators had their three best seasons in franchise history, and PK Subban was a huge part of all three of those seasons. So <clears throat> I don't think that's any coincidence. Um, you know, I think the, the the depth on defense they do it. Look, Ryan Ellis, I don't know if he was hurt last year or what. His his contract extension kicks in this year. Um, he got thrown. He got absolutely manhandled. I thought in the playoffs last year by Dallas. Um, I, they need a big year from him. T.S. Eckholm, I think, is probably one of the most, if not the most underrated defenseman in the NHL. And it's going to be interesting to see how his game is freed up now that he's not playing with Subban, who is such a, you know, kind of a of a, a freelancer, if you will, or, you know, he just kind of, you know, Matias had to stay home a lot. Matias had to, you know, kind of not cover up for PK's mistake, but make sure that he was being, the you know, the more responsible one of the two on defense. And so um, it'll be interesting to see, also, him work with with Dante Fabro now. Fabro played, I think, four regular season games last year, and then six playoff games. Um, didn't have time to think about anything. Mm-hmm. Now he's had all summer to think about everything. So it will be very interesting to see. We, you know, I, we asked Peter, you know, kind of how close of an Peter Live, how, how close of an eye are you going to, how close of sort of a leash are you going to have on Fabro? And he said, we'll watch him closely. Um, but if you if he doesn't succeed in that role and, he, and, and there's a black hole, you know, on that second pairing, that really changes the dynamic of this team because they don't have. I mean, Dan Hamhus is fine as a you know as a third pairing guy who's not going to play a ton of minutes, but he's also going to be 37 years old this year, um, and I, he's just not a he's just not a top four guy anymore. So they're really the day they traded Subban. We were up in Vancouver for the you know the second day of the draft. 
And I asked David, you know, about, about the trade and everything and, and losing PK and unprompted. He, he brought up Dante's name and said, you know, we, our belief in Dante Favreau um, convinced us that make, making this trade was the right thing to do. Well, so, yeah. If that's not pressure, I don't know what. Yeah, well, absolutely. And it was, I remember that day was just stunning. I, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Maybe people down there saw it coming a little more than the national people, but. Man, that was that was a yeah, shock. We, we sure did. We sure did. I mean, yeah. we asked PK at the end of the season. We 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 had a feeling it might be, it could, because it made sense because of his salary, right? And Roman Yossi's, you know, they're going to be extending him soon. Um, he's going to cost a lot. They've got thirteen unrestricted free agents after this season. So if you looked ahead, I I, I predicted actually that that they would they would not if they didn't trade him, they would not have protected him in the expansion draft. I mean, hmm. I really think they were looking to get rid of that salary. All right, well, what does Pekka Rene have left in the tank as well? He had a great season last year. He's had a couple of really good years in a row, um, but that hip remains his hip, and it's been problematic before. How many more really solid years do you think Pekka Rene has in him? I mean, if he if he can give them one more solid year, they'll, they're, they're they're getting more than they're more bang more bang for their buck than they would have expected. I mean, I think. Look, we say this, we've been saying this every year, right, for the last two or three years. You know he's he's hit that goal. You know the goalie cliff. Where he's supposed to fall off, and he had another good season last year. I think he's. I think you're going to see his playing time reduced. Um, as as the Blackhawks, as I, you know, we found out with the Blackhawks, even when I was covering them, and Corey, you know, kept, kept having concussion issues. Is they have two really good goalies. Um, UC Saros is is going to be a good goalie. He already is a good good goalie in this league. He has potential to be great. Um, they're bringing him along super slowly. But I think he started 26, 27 games. I, I would expect that number to go up this year. Um, Pekka has – he signed a two-year extension. I think he'll be done after – not this season, but but the season after this. Um, so I think they're going to keep priming UC for that role. But, I mean, look, what does he have left? I don't know. I mean, I, I keep waiting for the guy to fall apart, and it doesn't happen. So, <laughs> you know, I – I don't know that he's going to be as good as he was, but I don't know that they expect him to be as good as he's been. Big thing with him is has been, you know, historically throughout his career, has been he's really been kind of subpar in the playoffs. And I, I I questioned last year whether they whether he should be, you know, maybe it's time for UC Saros to start a playoff game. And, and of course, I knew that wasn't going to happen, but I don't see a huge drop off. I think I don't think Peck is going to be a guy who's going to fall off the face of the earth. I think he's going to you know steadily slowly decline, and and I think that's natural. But yeah, 37 years old is. You know, that's ancient in goal years nowadays. All right, well, before we wrap up with Paul Scribina from the Tennessee, and I want to get your take, Paul, on the Chicago Blackhawks from a distance. What do you guys in Nashville feel about the 2019-2020 version of the Blackhawks? You know, it's funny. I took a, I take a lot of flack being from Chicago and living down here and being accused of being a Blackhawks fan. And and uh, <laughs> so, and, I, and I, it's kind of funny because I never, I, I didn't grow up a Blackhawks fan or anything, but it's kind of fun to, to, to look, Nashville really looks at Chicago as a big rival. Um, and I, and I think, you know, some playoff series have, have a lot to do with that. It's a fun thing. It's a fun, you know, it's always fun. We have two teams that kind of, or two fan bases that maybe don't like each other. I, look, it's realistically for the Blackhawks. I think they're, I think they're going to be better. I, I'm, I'm hoping for their sake that, that they can get some consistency out of their, out of their you know, goal for goalies. I think that would go a long way. And, and, you know, to me, the big question mark for them is, is defensively. I mean, they were so bad defensively last year and still able to have some success. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see if that defense is going to improve. And if, if Corey or, or Robin or whoever their full-time or mostly full-time goalie is, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs, but I don't know that they will. 
All right, Paul Scarbina, thanks for your uh, thoughts on the Blackhawks and especially the Nashville Predators. We appreciate you joining us here on Locked on Blackhawks. Thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Blackhawks. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Paul Scarbina for joining us with our Nashville Predators preview. On Thursday, we will talk to Owen Newkirk about the Dallas Stars. They're next in line, the Dallas Stars. So make sure you're here for that tomorrow morning. Don't forget, you can email me lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. Of course, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks and leave those voicemails for Monday's show 708-653-0572. 708-653-0572. My name is Jay Zawaski. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, a daily Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day.